chapter 12 of 2 Corinthians, there's is a couple things in there that uh, you may, if you are familiar with the Bible at all, you may have at least heard of the uh, visions and thorn. It's something that we uh, talk about. But before I get into that, I did fail to mention one thing that you can maybe think about uh, after the worship service if you want to get to know people. We're still doing the meet and eat, uh, which I think is well named. Uh, thank you, Samantha. She's on here. She's in the nursery, I think. But uh, so if you want to meet out by the logo out there by the coffee, and well, I think we're going to Pizza Ranch today. So we'll all go out and have fun and eat and tend to eat a lot, don't we? Oh, well. Oh, well. Got to stay fit, right? So so back to our regularly scheduled program. We're, uh, we're looking at this uh, Paul's vision is thorn. He's talking about uh, a vision he's going to have, and then the thorn one is the, probably the one we know the most. So we're going to start verses 1 through 6. He, he came off of last week about boasting, so he continues. He said, I must go on boasting, though there is nothing to be gained by it. I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not, except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth, but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So... He just showed earlier that boasting was, for the most part, stupid. I mean, you do this and it, it brings attention to yourself. But if you're going to do it, if he has to boast, and remember what he's doing with this boasting, he's got the charge that he's not a true apostle, that somebody else has the truth of the gospel. And he's saying, no, I do. And he's g he gave a bunch of reasons last week. But you always have to boast in the Lord, which he talked about also last week. So... When you look at this, um, it, it's most likely that he's referring to himself in this passage. Um, it's a little odd for us to read this. I know a man who was caught up into heaven. Um, but I think there's some good reasons that, that we, we think this. Um, the first one is that he later speaks in verse 7, uh, which we'll read in a little bit, that to keep me from being conceited. Well, conceited about what? Conceited about the vision. So almost all scholars, and I would agree with them, think this is actually Paul having this experience. And it's kind of cool. You hear about this in books and stuff. There was a kid from Nebraska, um, the Burpo kid, that had a, some sort of vision of, uh, I, I think he died for a little bit physically. And there's been some others around uh, different experiences. So this is one of them that we have in heaven. Now, this was an experience where he died, but he just gets caught up, and we'll look at that. But the second one is that this whole section of the letter is designed to demonstrate that the false apostles were not superior to Paul, not to just anybody. So again, it, again, I think that shows us that this is probably talking about Paul. And finally, this particular passage introduces Paul's own boasting. So I, I think this is about Paul. It's a little weird. We get this in the Gospel of John a little bit. Um, where John keeps calling himself the disciple that Jesus loved instead of just saying John, which is what we would do. Um, it's just the way ancient people write. It's a humble way to write. Uh, it's a way to, he's trying to show his modesty. Uh, we may not do that, um, but I think most ancient people who read this would think, yeah, this is, uh, I think this is what, uh, my thing up there, right? 
There we go. The, uh, so we, we, we look at this. He, he's boasting in the Lord. And then we get this third heaven. And this gets messed up by some denominations. Uh, um, we talked about heaven. Well, in ancient Greece, there, there was three ways to look at what heaven was. In heaven, you had to, dis you had to go by uh, what you're talking about in context. The third heaven is not the air where the birds fly. That's the first heaven. So for them, the first heaven is just where the birds fly, the sky that you see. And it's also not the place where the stars are. That's the second heaven. The third heaven in Hebrew thought and in Greek thought and in Christian thought is the place where God dwells. So when he says, I got caught up into the third heaven, he's just saying, I got caught up to where God is. It's not that there's three different types of heaven, and when you get there, you get, you know, it's like, let's make a deal, you know, door number one, door number two, or door number three, you know. Don't pick the wrong one, because there might be a donkey behind it, you know. And it goes, dun, dun, dun. you know, you've, you've heard that, right? That kind of stuff. That's not what it means. Third heaven, they would know this when he wrote it. It was not hard. Um, and, he, and he calls this third heaven paradise. Now, we get this in Luke when Jesus is on the cross. Uh, he, he says to the guy, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. He could have just said third heaven. What's he saying? Today you'll be with, with me with the Father. That's what this, this, this point is. So when we look at this, this is the idea. They knew that. And, and why am I hitting this? Because we got to be so careful when we come to Scripture, we don't read it through our eyes, our cultural eyes. We have to read it through God's eyes. This was written in the first century, uh, this particular book, maybe in the mid-50s in the first century. So it's pretty darn old. So you have to kind of know the context a little bit. And it's not hard. That's why we have those study Bibles. A study Bible would tell you that. I'm, I'm almost, I would guarantee that the two that we uh, promote, the green one and the white one, the ESV and the NLT, will tell you about the third heaven. Now, this experience must have been quite intense. He, he essentially is going into the throne. This is like Isaiah 6 or Ezekiel or even maybe John in the book of Revelation, you know, caught up in, in, in the presence of God, um, which now if you listen to the children's sermon, if you're in the presence of God in that way, you're in heaven, right? Paradise. You got that? All right. So he really didn't know the precise details. And he says it twice. I don't know if I was in the spirit or if I got taken up bodily or I don't, I really don't know. Um, what would you guess? Was there like Paul's body down here somewhere and he was kind of going, you know, whatever that face you get when you're in heaven and your body's not. I don't know what that would be. I'm not even going to try to make it. But uh, would we see him here? I mean, I, you know, it's hard to say, you know. Uh, it's kind of a metaphysical question, you know, is heaven physical, spiritual, or both? You know what the answer to that is? Yes. <laughs> I think it's spiritual now. Um, any funeral, what do we do? We, we bury the body, the physical part's still here. Paul even says it in Romans, I, I, I'd rather be at, away from the body and home with the Lord. But that's not the way it's going to end, Right? a new heaven and a new earth where we are back to a glorified body with our glorified soul um, and heaven and earth become the same place because, and you can all call it heaven because God's there, right? 
that's that's kind of it all fits pretty well. So we don't. I don't think he was bought, and I don't know what happened. You, you've got this twice. And, and Enoch back in Genesis five gets just taken into heaven. Um, don't know how that works. He's the only one that did that, as far as we know. And then Elijah. You remember he rides off into the well, not the sunset. Well, maybe literally it was sunset. <laughs> you know, goes into the clouds. I don't know what happened to him. We ever think about Jesus' ascension when he ascends? You know, I'm assuming he left. He had does he like transform? It's like. We can talk about that over lunch if you want to go to Peter. Um, the idea is Paul doesn't really get into that, so what's that mean for us? We probably shouldn't worry about it as an essential of the faith anyway. We can get into it if we want. So it does look like, in my, uh, my estimation, his, his body was separated from his spirit soul, but he didn't really deem that to be important, so we probably should be careful. We don't try to uh, go to the mat for those types of things. So... He heard, and I like the term, inexpressible things. Um, wouldn't you like to know what he heard? Me too. Um, but they're inexpressible, <laughs> so we don't get to hear it. What is he even saying this for? Well, you guys think you're special. Um, look what happened to me. You know, he says that words from angels that God and God that may not, man may not utter. It's like, this is a private thing for him, I guess. Uh, you know, you think maybe his opponents said they had things like this and spoke freely about, their, about all their uh, revelations and the things that happened to them. But Paul made the supremacy of his heavenly experience by saying that he was not permitted to do that. Um, his revelation was greater than his opponents had received. So now we, that's not always true. Uh, if you go to Revelation 1, John is in the Spirit. Uh, the whole book of Revelation is pretty much one big vision, or at least a bunch of visions together. Uh, a loud voice like a trumpet says, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus and Smyrna and Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. So if you're John, what are you supposed to do? Is any Baptist here? Are you supposed to keep it to yourself? You're supposed to write it down, aren't you? Yeah. We could all get you some mics if you want. We could go down. You want to do that? That'd be fun. Uh, for me, probably not you. But, uh, but so he's supposed to write there, but, but it doesn't look like, obviously, Paul is supposed to do that. He's told, essentially, to keep it to himself. Um, and I think these passages point us to a general method and, and you know people have asked you know about the different and that's only that's been a few years ago I haven't heard a lot of books about people having these experiences um, if someone does experience some sort of heavenly vision with or without revealed words from God the default and it seems to me should be to keep it to yourself um, unless explicitly instructed to not uh, I think I think you can get that. You know, people can disagree. Um, and why is that, you think? Probably because, you know, what would we write? What would Paul write? You know, it's our own experience. I remember the Burpo kid. It was like rainbow pony stuff. So he was three. I mean, that's probably what was, you know, native to his experience. So that's fine. And I'm not saying we should say, oh, you shouldn't have wrote that. I'm just saying in general because problems can come from that. And you, you get that. You get people... What happens when somebody says stuff like that? A lot of people want their own. 
you know, I got, you got your experience, I want my experience. Um, I mean, all things being equal, if God said to you, you can either kind of go the way you're going now, or I'll give you a vision of what heaven is really like, which one would you take? And don't be false humility here. I would take the first one. If he said I could do that, of course, then it would be odd. He'd say, well, that was, I'd say, well, that was really cool. He'd say, well, I don't tell anybody. <laughs> Apparently, this is just for Paul. Um, it was real. It was something that uh, was important to him. But I think it is, in our day and age, I, I think we should be concerned with people will turn those types of visions into a gospel, and sometimes they're not. I, I know this is, this is true, uh, so I'll, I'll tell you, but there was another kid, he was in his teens, and this was about the same time. I can't remember what his book was called, but he wrote a book um, about an experience he had in heaven, too, um, and then we found out later that it was all made up, um, which doesn't mean the other kids wasn't. That's not really the point. The point of was the guy's name. His last name was Malarkey. And it's true. I mean, it's just, isn't that interesting? You tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. You know, uh, um, it was a bunch of malarkey, as they say. Yeah, that, that came before that. So, and I think what Paul adds here in verse 6, he says, you know, focus on my actions, focus on my words, focus on who I am, instead of on, oh, how many experiences has this guy had? You know, that's out there today. Uh, You've got to have all these personal experiences, and that makes you a better Christian. It's like Paul seems to say the opposite. You know, we know through 2 Corinthians and the other 26 books in the New Testament, the 39 books in the Old, we know how to act. We know what God wants from us. Uh, I guess that's another thing. I didn't think about that till now, but uh, what else would we need? What else do we need in a vision or a word from God that we aren't already given in, in the New Testament, in the Old Testament. You know, in our statement of faith, we say it's sufficient. Well, if it's sufficient, you don't need any more. If God wants to give you more, that's up to Him. But we should have enough. It doesn't need to be added to because it's sufficient and complete. So maybe that's another reason He didn't add to it. Apparently, revelation that, John gave, that, 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 that God gave to John was something that we were supposed to have. There are days, I wonder if he screwed up. I'm just kidding, because uh, Revelation's kind of tough. It's a it's it's type of imagery we just aren't used to. Uh, it's apocalyptic, they call it. It's a lot of Old Testament. Seventy-five percent of the Revelation is essentially Old Testament Hebrew. It's a he- very Hebrew book. If you don't know the Old Testament, you'll mess it up royally. Yeah, and I know some of the Old Testament, and I think I'll probably still mess it up royally. It's it's hard. Be very. It's humility, you know. You know, John Calvin and Martin Luther both wrote. Uh, commentaries for the Bible. Calvin's was more extensive. You know, both 16th century reformers, very smart, very learned, knew a lot about the Bible. There's one book they didn't write a commentary on. And that was the book of Revelation. So maybe we'll go through that sucker and see how, no, we we did the first three chapters. I think that's good enough for now. So when you think, Paul knew that the Christians tend to exalt heroes, and that's the problem. You get that. Well, this guy had a vision, so he must be good. This guy walked with Jesus. He must be good. Um, that's not the point. The point is that God gives us what we need. But, and so sometimes we, can, we do that today. We lift up people, whether it's sports stars or pastors or whatever, as heroes beyond reality. And, you know, the Corinthians might go beyond what he actually said or did. It's the po- that's the point of why he came. So, again, I think about can you have an experience? I suppose you, God can give you what you want. 
should you pray for such things? Because you can pray for what you want. <laughs> um, should you expect those things? Probably not. Uh, again, implicitly, isn't it saying if I need more, then I don't have, the Bible's not sufficient. Or, and then really Jesus is not sufficient. And the Holy Spirit messed up when he only inspired 27 books. Maybe you should have 28. Our belief here, as far as the Bible, it's a really easy thing. To th it actually came from my Hebrew professor in seminary. You know, if somebody asked me, it's like, well, how do we know we got what we, you know, that we have the right books and all this kind of stuff? And this is just a starter. There's lots of ways to explain this. Uh, but I think it's a very good way of looking at it theologically. God saw to it that we have what we need. That's easy to remember, right? God saw to it that we have what we need. Now, we can explain why we believe that and all the textual evidence and all that, but if you think about it just theologically, God in his infinite wisdom made sure that we got the books that we need in what we call the Bible. Because God, if he's going to reveal himself, he'll do it right. And we believe that the words are inspired. I don't know exactly how that worked. You know, you know again, was Luke kind of just sitting there with that and I won't make the face, but that same face maybe that Paul had when he was in the Spirit, when he was writing, you know, no. God saw to it that the words we have, how it happened, we're not really given. They were carried along by the Spirit, Peter says, First Peter. But we, that's what we go to the map for. The words are what God wants us to have. Makes it much easier. And we don't have to sit there and think about, well, do I believe that Luke did it this way and Paul did it this way and James did it? It doesn't matter. We that's what we believe here. And there's lots of good reasons if you want to go down there to find out. But, you know, for you guys, it, it has to be, I can tell you everything I want. It has to be something that you appropriate in your life. And one of the, that's why I always say it's good if you can make a good case for that. But the first person you need to convince is yourself. <laughs> if you're not convinced of it, you won't make a very good case. Um, and if you, another commercial message, if you want to know how to make some cases, come to Wednesday night and we'll show you. Um, have some good classes there. So let's move on to verses 7 through 10. So to keep me from being conceited about this vision, I assume, because of the greatness of these revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from being coming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is verses that we probably know. It's a little bit about prayer. It's a little bit about endurance, but it's got some really interesting things in here. But the, the metaphor is tough, isn't it? A thorn in the flesh. Uh, we've, how many have heard about the thorn in the flesh before this? Two. Okay. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. I don't know. You, you get, you know, some Baptists, especially Southern Baptists, it's like, I do. I know that. It's up. You know, E free. It's kind of like, I kind of. What is that? What are we worried about? <laughs> yeah. The thorn in the flesh. Interesting idiom, you know, and we don't have a lot of historic. It's something, obviously, a thorn. You think about that. If a thorn is in there, you don't like it, especially if it's in your foot. Um, 
But what is this? Well, <laughs> it's kind of hard to say this sometimes, but we're not sure. I'll give you the options and maybe you can figure out what you think. Some think it was a physical incapacity, uh, such as stuttering. We had this earlier in chapter 10 and 11 that Paul talked about not being an eloquent speaker. So there has been some tradition that maybe he stuttered, which maybe he did. I don't know. Um, some think epilepsy uh, that he had. We see this in, in Acts a couple times. That, uh, But I'm not a big fan of this one because it was when he was when people were uh, in the spirit, you know, the one in chapter 9 there that's up there is when he uh, gets gets thrown down on the road to Damascus. Um, I don't know if he could infer that he became an epileptic after that. Uh, but uh, Or weak vision. And this one, uh, perhaps, you look in Galatians 4, uh, what then has become of your blessedness, he says to the Galatian Christians, for I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. Now, that might just be a metaphor for something, but maybe he had some eye ailment, you know, that he couldn't see as well. Uh, it, it, it's possible. Uh, and, and he says later in Galatians, apparently he takes the pen from the scribe and says, see what large letters I'm writing to you with my old hand. Um, some people have thought, well, he had to write large because he couldn't see. <coughs> I know, I think, uh, I remember when I was working at American Mutual, my boss was probably about 12 years older than me. I started when I was... Oh, about 24, 23. And so he was in his third. But as we got older, he got he hit 45. And he came in the next day and said, everything happens at 45. He said, all my body is now fat. <laughs> you know, he was a pretty thin guy. And I can't see anything without cheaters. It all happened on my 45th birthday. And I don't think it was quite right that way. But, uh, you know, this. Uh, what am I getting at? It's like, you know, when when you have to have those cheaters and they're not there, uh, I won't ask for show of hands with the cheaters, but that's one. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can get six pairs of those on Amazon for only 12 bucks. Um, that's just to let you know. Uh, the uh, Of course, they won't come for like six weeks because they're probably on some barge. <laughs> but <laughs> you can't have everything. So, and then you get there and you, you get the, the glasses and you're like, you got the wrong ones because you didn't have glasses and you couldn't see the print in Amazon. So that happens to all of us. But, uh, but for him, I mean, r large letters, that would you, you didn't do tend to write a little larger when you can't see the paper. So that's possible. Um, some think this is, so that's, the, that's probably the most prevalent one, that this was some sort of ailment, some physical ailment, because uh, it's thorn in the flesh. Um, but the way it's put, some say that this is emotional suffering resulting from not winning the Jews to the Messiah, um, which we do hear he doesn't like, but Acts 28 seems to say that he was okay with that so that one I don't although that's out there the third one is uh, a recurring temptation that keeps coming I mean we kind of all can have that um, people go through you know addictions and stuff and maybe this was something you know maybe Paul was addicted to cough syrup or something I don't know um, but we see in 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 Romans 7 uh, but sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all kinds of covetousness. So they think maybe greed was his. Um, that's possible. Um, those two and three, I guess, are not all that compelling to me. There's just not enough there. But four is interesting. Um, others take the phrase a messenger, which is the word angelos, uh, which we get our word angel from, uh, from the adversary or here in 
it's translated Satan. Uh, that's what Satan means um, in, in Hebrew, the adversary. Uh, so some take that this is the thorn, uh, a, a demonic spirit being especially dispatched by Satan for Paul. Um, you know, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Um, uh, I, I have always thought that it was the first one. And I may still land on there, but this fourth one has, and maybe it's both, I don't know. Uh, but this is uh, to pound away at him that God allowed uh, to do this. Um, and you, you might say, and, and I did, so that's why I have this next scripture here. Well, why would, Paul, well, why would God allow that for Paul? Well, the Father even allowed that for Jesus. <laughs> Remember, this is in Luke 4 also. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Why? To be tempted by the devil. Um, now, that's not an ongoing thing, but it, he, he did, it did happen. And then when you look at the, the other way, it, it, it can continue. We see this in Revelation 12. You see, now war arose in heaven, which we all know is where God is, right? Yeah. Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon. Uh, and the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was defeated and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, this ancient serpent who was called the devil and Satan the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. So some see this, uh, well this, is, this is essentially the main place where we have the fall of the angels. Did you know that? These verses. You probably heard this, some of you. How did that work? Well, this is all we know. When was this? Kind of hard to know. Uh, it's, uh, was it before the earth was created? It was, was it during the fall of man? Probably wasn't after that uh, because we got that... Uh, Serpenty, dragony thing there in Genesis three, right? Anybody remember what the Hebrew term for that was? Kind of cool to say, nakash, yeah. And you got to say it that way. I'll spit at the end, nakash, yeah. It's cool. Th this is when you see dragon, that means Satan in this this text. So obviously they're there, but uh, so perhaps as we as we look at verse eight and nine, we learned that this messenger from the adversary, whatever it was even if it was a demon, was sent by God. That one's a little harder for it. We get this, we, it's called dualism, where we get this idea that Satan's over here with his kingdom doing his thing, and God's over here with his kingdom doing his thing. Not really the way the Bible puts that out. Um, the adversary has no independent power. God is in control of the universe. Um, we don't believe that. If anything, it's allowed, you know, who was it, if you remember Mark in, in Matthew 4, who, who was it or what being sent Jesus out into the wilderness? Do you remember? To be tempted by Satan. It was a spirit. Isn't that interesting? It almost looks like God's in control. Um, in Job 1, um, and I'm going to, I'll turn there if you can, if you want. Uh, also sometimes pronounced uh, Job, but that's not right. It's actually Job. Um, Here's, here's the way it's put. This is, we think this is the oldest book in the Bible. Now when there, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, uh, Yahweh, and Satan also came among them. Then Yahweh said to Satan, from where have you come? Satan answered, uh, from going to and fro from the earth and walking up and down. And the, Yahweh said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And there is none like him on earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil. Then Satan answered Yahweh and said to 
Does Job fear God for no reason? You put a hedge around him and his house and blessed him on every side with possessions and increased in land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. And then verse 12, and, uh, and Yahweh said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your hand. Only against him do not stretch out your hand. So Satan went out from the presence of Yahweh. Who's in charge? That's not hard, is it? Now, I, you know, that's a whole other question of why God allowed it and all that, and I'm not going to try to get into that today. But God's in charge. So if there's a messenger from Satan to Paul here, God's in charge. Um, and I know you think about that when we go to eat, you know, if we start talking about this, you'll look around and everybody else around us is gone. This is weird stuff, isn't it? I don't know how this stuff works any better than you do. Um, the idea of this is a message. We obviously know these fallen angels exist. Um, how it works, we're not really given up. What are we supposed to do as Christians? Are we supposed to sin or not sin? Good, at least somebody's listening. Yeah, not sin. Well, how do you do that? Well, you get tempted and you try to use God and other people and His Word and the do that. We're never told to try to figure out where the temptation comes from. Maybe you'll know. I think Jesus knew, you know, because there he was. You know, it was pretty easy. Uh, but for us, just don't do it. Uh, where it comes from, I guess we can talk about that, but I wouldn't get into that. That's good for movies and stuff. But for you, just, you know, try to live a righteous life in the tools that you give. Your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, those types of things, uh, which is obviously metaphoric. So which one is it? Um, I don't know. I still think one. I like one, but just because I like it doesn't make it right. But uh, we also learn that sometimes God's answer to prayer is not necessarily to grant the request asked. Anybody experience that? <laughs> I know you can all raise your hand on that one, right? But sometimes it's to change the person asking. We've done that, right? You know, um, even Jesus did that. Not my will, but your will be done. You remember that? <laughs> uh, that's what we're supposed to pray, but go ahead and ask. I don't think there's anything wrong with asking. But uh, I think Paul eventually gets to the point that he no longer wants or worries about what he's asking for. I don't know if we ever get to that point. Um, but 9 and 10 clearly show that. What did he learn from this? You know, he learned that he was weak when it came to being able to follow the Christian life. He couldn't do it on his own. That's what he's talking about here. And that great verse, you know, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And, and, and that's usually true in our lives, isn't it? I mean, you think about it, if you're, this is just an example, if your combine's running good, you probably don't pray that much. It's when it breaks down that all of a sudden the prayers start coming. It's usually the same. That's not every time. You might give them. I'm not trying to make the farmers uh, look bad. I mean, you might say, thank you, God, for my combine. I realize, but most of the time, it's when we're in a tough time that we pray for God to intervene, right? Um, I, I think that's what Paul is seeing here. You know, why is giving to him? And I don't like this any more than you do. I mean, we talked about what ifs. You know, what if God said you can either have a thorn in your flesh or not? Which one you take it? I'm going with the not. But, 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 but God says, but you'll learn weakness. So, no, I'm just kidding. I mean, that's kind of the way you think about it, isn't it? It's easy to be, you know, just 
you know, he's holier than thou until you actually have to make a decision. You know, the hard one would be if he said this, you know, I want to give you the thorn. I really do. I think it'll be good for you. Why did he have to say that? You know, I mean, I hope he wouldn't, you know. But again, it's, it, we know this. We pray for what we want. We don't always get what we want. But it doesn't mean we quit praying. And hopefully the praying, if it, how do we know it's God's will? A lot of things we don't. Uh, we know it's God's will that we pray. We know it's God's will that we, we depend on him. We know it's God's will that we, we, we have faith in his son. We know it's his will that we uh, have our sins washed away and are able to be in heaven with him for eternity. I don't know if it's God's will if he takes away an illness or if he heals someone or they die. We don't know that. We're in a fallen world and sometimes people die and we don't want it. I mean, in fact, lots of times because uh, we're all mortal. But pray. I think we still pray. We always pray. And we sometimes get those prayers answered. But even if we don't, we can still, like Paul, remember that God's grace is sufficient because that's what it's really all about. You know you weren't built for this world, right? You kind of got to keep that perspective. And the only time we don't like that when we kind of like the way the world's going. <laughs> you know, these last two years, I think more people are looking at heaven than they've ever looked at before, right? Um, but again, I think Paul's main idea here is clear, isn't it? He asked God three times to remove this thorn from his life, but God told him that divine grace was sufficient. So what does this tell us about prayer? This is the Apostle Paul. And in his wisdom, he thought it'd be best if this, whatever this thing is, uh, would go away. But what was God's ultimate answer? No. And th that's hard, but we've got some camaraderie here. Uh, uh, if it is true that the fall actually happened, if it's true that we are not immortal in the bodies we have, um, well then, it's kind of morbid to say this, but I used to be an actuary. Um, we're going to either, you're going to either die for your last illness or your last accident. Right? So maybe we should have another worldly perspective. I think, uh, how Corey Ten Boom said this in the concentration camp. I love the way she put it. She said, "You think of things differently when you when you think you're going to die than if you think you're going to live for a long time." I mean, younger kid, you probably don't think about that much. He said, "Why, why does he keep going on about this?" But if you're a little older, the older you get, the more you kind of look at the future as not being as long uh, as before. But again, that's not what we were created for we created for a new heaven and a new earth and, a, and 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 no sin and all that and that happens eventually you can read revelation 21 and 22 it's fairly uplifting and boy golly if you give me a text on that i'll give you two points which there you go a couple points i don't know what you do with them but boy, it's nice to get points i got a lot of points on my credit card but i really don't know what to do with them <laughs> you get double points i'm like wow i got double points I don't know how to use them, but I got a couple points. Looks good on the statement anyway. So, But again, the grace is the idea. That's sufficient. You're all, we're all going to, we all need this to energize our life. And sometimes it is these thorns in the flesh that make us focus more on God. And sometimes somebody else is having trouble and because you've had the thorn, you can help them out too, which is another good reason 
to go to a life group, sign up in the lobby. Um, so, to sum all this up, God wanted Paul to find comfort and security in the grace he had received from Christ. And, and, and I think that's what he wants us for us to. Um, I think it's great. I pray daily for the safety of people. Uh, I think they work. I think it makes a difference. It's not foolproof. I realize that. But I do believe in my heart that me praying and you praying for safety and for health and all that is better than not doing it. How God uses it, I don't know. Again, Revelation, he, 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 there's that picture of the prayers of the faithful people coming up like a pleasing aroma to God. And we'll just let him do what he wants with it. But pray for the desires of your heart. And there are times, and we know them, don't we, where we get that answer. If it's as little as no rain on Saturday, it's still fun to get, right? And just to let you know, I don't have a red phone. And somebody said, and I know you guys are just kidding, but somebody said, well, you know, you should have prayed for it to be warmer yesterday. It's like, well, I th he doesn't just do what I say. That's not true. The Bears are three and three. I mean, come on. Are the Cardinals in the World Series? It's like, oh, for two. And I'm guessing the Spurs won't even make the playoffs. So, yeah, they probably will. You've been praying too much. That's the problem. But just ask him the desires of your heart. As we pray, it's a way to get to know him. And a good way to pray is obviously to go back to the Psalms or the prayers in the Bible in the New Testament to do that. But remember, his grace is sufficient for us because we realize there's a lot in our lives we can't control. And we don't know the future, but isn't it wonderful to pray to the one who does? Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for the gift of prayer, uh, that we get to do it. We get to talk to you, even though you are holy and we are not. But because of your son and the faith that we have, you allow us to do that, lift our voices up to you. So today I just pray for everyone here that they'll understand the true gospel, that they'll realize that sometimes bad things happen and you're still with us. Sometimes good things happen and you're still with us. Uh, may grace always be sufficient for us. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.